Please remain standing as we look at uh, our passage this morning, preaching from Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. And it reads as follows. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross." Dear Lord, we ask that you would take your word, that you would speak to us, encourage us by the truth of your word this morning. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So in life, there are some big questions that we don't often talk about, but that we have these questions. Like, where did I come from? What is the reason What is the purpose for life? What are we doing here on this earth anyway? Or who am I? I was born to Ed and Clara also, back in March 12th, 1958. I was the third boy, I was supposed to be a girl, that's why they called me manly. (laughs) No, I don't know. I am the husband to Janet. I'm the father of three boys who are no longer boys, but men. I'm the father-in-law to two daughter-in-laws, and I am the proud grandfather of just four, but they're precious four. And I'm a retired pastor, and I am a sometimes painter, handyman kind of guy. That's a little of who I am, and uh, you could probably add a lot of other things. Who are you? Who are you? More importantly, we can ask ourselves the question, who are we according to God's word? Our text this morning speaks about who we are in Christ, what our life is like in Christ and because of Christ. Thus the title, Life in Christ. First, let's not look to the world for our answer to the question of who we are, or who am I? Verse 8 reads, says, See to it 
that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. This verse is a warning to us. Don't be deceived by the world. Don't be taken captive by the hollow and deceptive philosophies of this world. Don't be led astray by the world's ways. It is said that we are, we are deceived by our own sinful flesh, nature. The world is deceiving us. And you know what? There's a guy named Satan who is out to get us, who wants to destroy us. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 reads, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Matthew seven fifteen. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ferocious wolves. Let's be careful. Let's not be fooled by the world and Satan. Instead, let us keep us, let's keep focused on Christ, on who we are in Christ, of what we have in Christ. First, in Christ, there is the fullness of God. Verse 9, it reads, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Full, complete, Deity. Jesus is not three-quarter God and one-quarter man. He's not 15-sixteenths God and one-sixteenths, well, you know, there's something else there. No, Jesus is 100% God. Uh, uh, Our Daily Bread devotional uh, a few weeks back goes this way. Who is Jesus? Who do people believe that Jesus is? Some say he was a good teacher, but just a man. Author C.S. Lewis wrote, either this man was and is the Son of God, or else he was a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great teacher. These now famous words from mere Christianity propound that Jesus would not have been a great prophet if he falsely claimed to be God. That would be the ultimate heresy. While talking with his disciples as they walked between villages, Jesus asked them, who do people say I am? Their answers included John the Baptist, Elijah, and one of the prophets. But Jesus wanted to know what they believed. Who do you say I am? Peter got it right. You are the Messiah, the Savior. But who do we say Jesus is? Jesus could not have been a good teacher or prophet if what he said about himself, that he and the Father, God, are one, wasn't true. His followers and even the demons declared his divinity as the Son of God. 
Jesus is 100% God. Matthew 123 says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not half God or half man. No, Jesus is fully God in the flesh, and he's fully man as well. John 1.14a says, The word, that is God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Colossians 1.19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. In Jesus, there is the fullness of God. He is God. Secondly, in Jesus, there is fullness for us. Verse 10. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. The word translated fullness here has the idea of to fill up, to make full, to complete in every particular way. In Christ there is completeness. There is no need for anything else if we have Christ. Our every spiritual need is met in him. So we could say that apart from Christ, there isn't completeness. If a person doesn't have Christ, they are not complete. They are not filled up. Sometimes this is called what we call a God-shaped void that only Christ can fill. People may try all kinds of things to fill up their life. They might try the abuse of drugs and alcohol. People may try wealth, buy all kinds of toys. You know, the, you know, the more toys you have, they win, right? The one with the most toys wins. Is that what the world says? People try it. People may try power and influence. People may try another wife or a husband. People may try different kinds of entertainment or amusement. People try all kinds of things to bring meaning to their life. Completeness, fullness. But apart, but apart from Christ, it is impossible. Actually, Christ is all we need. While I was attending seminary a long time ago, um, there was a fellow seminarian, a classmate of mine, that uh, he had a difficult summer. He was talking about it in the fall at a chapel service. He, uh, he was single, he had a girlfriend, but during the summer, you know, that relationship ended. He was uh, also working in the concession business, and he, he had a concession stand that had an explosion in the concession stand. Then later on, he's driving down the highway with his concession stand, and the concession stand unhooks from the back of his vehicle. And in that chapel service, he said that God was, uh, what, you know, it seemed like everything was going bad for him. But the message he was getting from God was, God was saying to him, am I sufficient for you? Am I sufficient for you? The question we could ask ourselves is the same. Is God, is Christ sufficient for us? Is he sufficient for you and me? Is he our all in all? For you see in God alone, there is true fullness. 
Thirdly, in Christ there is circumcision of our sinful nature. Verse 11 says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. In Old Testament times, for Israel, circumcision was a sign of their relationship with God. Yet over time and during the time of Christ, circumcision had become something that was just done externally, and there is no effect on the heart. But in Christ, circumcision is done on the heart. Christ cuts out the old sinful nature in us and gives us a new nature. Romans 2.9 says, No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Christ cuts out our sinful nature through circumcision of the heart. Fourthly, in Christ we are buried and raised. Verse 12 from our text Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. In Christ, through baptism, we are put to death for sins. We are buried with him and we are raised with him to a new life. By faith in Christ, we are buried and raised with him. Romans 6, 3 through 8 reads this way. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We are united with Christ in his death and we are united with Christ in his resurrection. As a believer in Christ, man, we got a blessed future. We got a blessed future. We are going to be resurrected and be with him. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Jesus was put to death for our sin and buried. And in Christ, it is as if we were there. That it happened to us that we were put to death on the cross and that we were raised to life. Christ was raised to life, winning the victory over death, and we have been raised to life, winning the victory over death as well. Because of our sin, we deserve death and the wrath of God. But in Christ, we have faced death and we have been raised in new life, to new life. This is indeed good news. Raised to life. I look at myself in the mirror and I feel like I'm getting older. Every once in a while I look at myself when I was younger and say, man, that guy looks pretty young. I was talking to my sister the other day and she was saying, yeah, man, I'm getting these age spots. You know, death is coming. Death is coming, physical death. But we have a blessed hope, man. We have a blessed hope. 
Fifthly, in Christ we are made alive. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. We all had that sentence of death on us, as we've been talking about. And as soon as we are born, we have that sentence of physical death. And because of our sin and sinful nature from birth, we have that sentence of spiritual and eternal death. In prison, there we find that there are prisoners that are on death row. They are sentenced to die. We may not be in prison, but we're living on death row. And in this state of living on death row, though, God makes us alive. Even when we're dead, he makes us alive. We are not only taken off of death row, but we are released from prison to live a new life of freedom. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. In Christ, we who are dead in sins are made alive. Six, in Christ there is complete forgiveness. Verse 13b and 14, He forgave us, All our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. In Christ there is forgiveness. But why is there forgiveness? There is forgiveness because Jesus was nailed to the cross. He took our condemnation. He took the law, the written code, which condemns us, and he nailed it to the cross. He took our debts. A few years back, I was, uh, I parked on a street by the U of M hospital. I was down here for a hospital visit. I live here. This is before I lived here. And I thought I, uh, I got a parking ticket for this place that I parked. And I really didn't feel like I deserved it. Actually, My car was gone when I got back. It had gotten towed away. But I got this parking ticket, and I was kind of like, what, really? You took it away from me? (laughs) I mean, it was just kind of like... Anyway, I thought that, you know, hey, I did not deserve that parking ticket. So I protested. I wrote a letter, you know, and and I got a notice in the mail that the parking ticket was suspended. Hey, I wasn't guilty. That's great. But with God, I'm guilty. I have that sinful nature. And I am guilty. Yet God forgives me. He took my punishment. I like Isaiah 43, 25. It says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Did you hear that? He remembers our sins no more. I remember my sins, but he remembers my sins no more. Wow. Acts 13, 38. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. In Christ, there is complete forgiveness. In Christ, our sins were nailed to the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, he said what? It 
is finished. Nothing more can be done. In Christ, there is forgiveness. Lastly, in Christ, there is complete victory over Satan and death. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. At the cross, Jesus won. From Hebrews 2.14, we find that Jesus shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might destroy death and Satan. We are in a battle in this world with Satan. Though Satan is out there to get us. And on our own, we don't win. But in Christ, we can win and we have won. So this morning we have seen some great benefits of being in Christ, of living a life in Christ, of being found in Christ. In Christ there is fullness, completeness. In Christ our old nature is cut away. In Christ we are buried and then raised up. In Christ we are made alive and in Christ, in Christ there is complete forgiveness of sins and in Christ there is complete victory over Satan and death. Don't be depressed. Man, we got a lot in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you for the reminder that our sins are completely forgiven. Thank you for going to the cross, taking all of our punishment so that we might live a new life. May we live in that reality each day. In your name we pray, amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.